fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yeah, darn right it is. Welcome into the program. What's up? It is a pre-Friday celebration. You are one day closer to that Memorial Day weekend. I know you are excited. You are giddy. You are amped up. You are ready to go, baby. Hang tight. It's almost there. Let's ride that way through it. Welcome into the show. I, <laughs> oh, man, I have to start off the program this way right out of the gate. I don't know whether I'm impressed with society or a little concerned about society. I'm going to say I'm going to call impressed on this one. Got to admit, there's a new headline. Oh, by the way, we have a lot to talk about today, so I'm just going to make this one brief and fun and quick. But there's a new headline about apparently there are uh, new younger generation individuals who are on dating sites putting their credit scores on their dating profiles that's gaining a lot of attention according to the latest cbs news headline some women on tiktok say they've been adding their high scores to their hinge profiles and getting lots of views tons of likes many flirty messages and even marriage proposals insider reports one man responded to a woman's post showing her high score that that's all he needed to see and asked her out earlier this year one woman said she posted her 811 credit score to her profile and ended up going on 17 dates in 30 days (laughs) Man, I don't know whether that's a cause for concern or something to be impressed about. I guess if people are concerned about their financial situation, then that's a that's something impressive. At least you're focused on the right things. You're not looking at the looks or the physical appearance. You're looking at the credit score. Hey, honey, how you doing? I see you've got such large credit scores in your name. You know what? Welcome. I thank you for paying attention to something other and looking a little bit deeper. Thank you for being financially responsible. And the fact that I, no, never mind, we're going to go there. Welcome into the program. We've got a lot to get to today. Bottom of the hour. Uh, Tom Zawistowski. He's the president of the National We the People Convention organization. He'll be joining at the bottom of the hour. Now that we officially have an announcement from Ron DeSantis for president of the United States, which I know has been the main talking point the last day or two from most talk shows out there. Uh, We're going to talk about the potential, or is there an opportunity, or even a way at all, for Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis to set their personal issues aside and have a joint ticket? Is that legitimate, or what could the attacks look like moving forward, and how could it help or hurt or damage the Republican Party moving forward? So we'll talk about that. We'll have some fun with it wrapping up the last half hour of the program. We also have some news from the U.S. Supreme Court that is great news. Pat yourself on the back here and thank the U.S. Supreme Court for even a 9 to nothing unanimous decision against the Biden administration on something big, and we have to give them credit. So uh, we have that. We have Ron DeSantis already going out on the attack against Donald Trump that we'll play some audio on here in just a little bit. But as you know, uh, right around the corner here, we have, and we we recorded the interview. Obviously, it's a lot longer than what we usually do on the program here. But Congressman Bob Latter from the 5th District of Ohio, we sat down with him earlier today to talk about this debt ceiling issue that is narrowing down. We are officially one week away, one week from the debt ceiling deadline, according to the Treasury Department and Janet Yellen, as they say that we're going to start defaulting. In fact, some of the creditors for the United States preparing to do that downgrade 
on the U.S. Where are we at with these debt ceiling discussions? We sat down with the congressman from the great state of Ohio, Congressman Bob Latta, to talk about the debt ceiling. It's a lot longer than what we can air here, which you can find the entire full interview on our podcast uh, there after the program as well. But we sat down with the congressman from D.C. to talk about where we are, the unity of the Republican Party, and a heck of a lot more. This is our sit-down with Congressman Bob Latta from Ohio. Congressman, how are you, sir? Great. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, it's so good to talk to you, especially right now with all the stuff going on. What is the latest? The last we've heard was that we received a message from Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy to tell you, the Republicans in the House, to hang on, hang tight, and support him as he continues to negotiate with the Biden administration. As Joe Biden at first said, any type of spending cut, any type of uh, cap on government spending was a non-starter. Now it sounds like he's open to negotiating, but the radical left in the Senate are a little angry about that. What's the latest that you've heard? Well, again, you're absolutely right. You know, when the president said early on he would not negotiate, he wanted a, what they call a, and it, it, sounds, it sounds good, a clean debt ceiling. But when you really examine what he's saying is he wants a carte blanche, I can spend as much as I want, as that, that got us into this mess especially over the last few years where they spent, you know, $5 trillion and not paying for it. And the American people witnessed 9.1% inflation. They would go to the bank to get a house loan. They see it's well over 6%. All these the costs of everything's gone up. You know, energy costs have gone up. And uh, But what the president and the Democrats, especially on the left, don't understand is the American people have to pay for this. Yeah. And as you and I have discussed, when we're $31.7 trillion in debt, and within three, three and a half years, we would be paying a trillion dollars just to pay interest on the debt. So what we did as Republicans, and you know, we have a very, very small, uh, slight majority in the House of Representatives that we passed legislation saying, look, uh, we, need to do, we need to do certain things. We need to, you know, over a 10-year period, scale back uh, the spending by $4.8 trillion. We need to put a cap of just 1% on spending, just slow the growth out there. And, oh, by the way, maybe it would be a good idea for people that are able to, that are receiving help, that would, you know, you'd have work requirements on these things. And so, you know, we, all these things are out there that we need to get uh, the economy moving because, we're, you know, we're seeing a, it's, it's, it is starting to slow, even though hiring is up. But uh, when the Federal Reserve out there is, keeps raising the interest rate, and the one thing that they want to do is put one to two million people out of work, to try to bring down inflation, that's not a great way to uh, get the economy and the inflation under control. No, not at all. And people are realizing this as well. I mean, the, the private market, the average American, the average worker every day is seeing what's going on with the economy, which is why they're so concerned. And the vast majority of every poll out there shows that in order to stop inflation and to get this under control is to cut spending and to stop printing money, which the Democrats obviously just don't want to hear. You guys have been out in front of this for a very long time, even though I still think we could have maybe adjusted it better uh, if the last congressional session would have not passed the bill or the budget like they did, and we could have just uh, you know, gone into this a little bit better. But with this concern about a debt ceiling, you guys have been on, on top of it with Kevin McCarthy passing a bill right away, sending it to the Senate, and with the Democrats not wanting to even look at it, you guys have shown that you're willing to negotiate, you're trying to handle this issue, you're trying to deal with it, and now I don't think the propaganda from the media and from the Democrats of blaming you guys, blaming Republicans, blaming Kevin McCarthy is going to work. The media tried to ask uh, Speaker of the House McCarthy uh, about a week ago that w if we default, will he take it and own it and take the blame for it? 
that's not working. People don't see that because they see that they want some type of government cuts because there there's no way that they can sit there and say with a straight face that there is nothing that we can cut from the federal government spending. Well, <laughs> it's you know this is how Washington works. Let's just say that last year your department got a hundred dollars, and then the president comes out with his budget and says I'm going to give you a hundred and fifty dollars. And then Congress gives them 120. They say, "I got cut." <laughs> that's, yeah. Wait a minute, you, you got 20 dollars more, right? But that's how Washington works. It, and uh, so, what we have to have really meaningful uh, cuts out there because, again, we can't keep this up. We, you know, we owe foreign creditors. You know, starting with Japan and then China is our second largest uh, our creditors out there, about 7.34 trillion dollars. And what's going to happen is, is if we have a default, uh, we're we're going to probably see the interest rates uh, go up again on the uh, our treasuries because again to get uh, countries and everybody to buy them, we're going to have to say we're going to pay you more for it. And then what will happen is that as Americans start saying, oh wait a minute, if I can get that much money on a U.S. Treasury, I'll buy a Treasury note instead of having my money in the local bank. So you're taking the money out of the local bank; they don't have the money to lend. And, oh, by the way, by you buying a U.S. Treasury, if you live in a state like Ohio that has a state income tax, you don't pay income tax on the interest on a federal treasury. Yeah, there is that. And speaking of the banks, let's go there for just a second. We're talking with Congressman Bob Lanner from the 5th District of Ohio. Let's talk about the banks and the stability of the financial institutions after some of the major banks that were collapsing, that were having a hard time. Uh, we see the Biden administration, again, finding an opportunity to try to consolidate a lot of that power in the financial institutions, but with the debt ceiling concern, with the ongoing interest rate hikes, with everything else that they're doing, how are we and will we potentially see more banks fail with all this uncertainty right now, throwing us into even a worse recession later on down the road? Well, and again, the first question, where are the regulators at? Uh, <laughs> you know, these are the, you know, we hire, we pay for these people to go out and check the check what's going on in these banks. Yeah. But when you look at the bank in California, what happened there, you know, they, they, they were kind of reversed. Instead of uh, having longer term, they were, you know, they, or they, what they should have been doing is on the shorter end. But uh, you look at the issues that occurred in these banks, it's just like, wait a minute, where are the regulators at that should have been examining this? You know, when you have situations where deposits, you know, I, I guess I, I'm not sure what it means when I walk into my, my bank when I'm home and it says right on the, the sticker on the door they're saying, uh, your deposits insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they've got in, out in these banks millions and millions and millions of dollars being held. And they say, "Oh wait a minute, we can't. You can't. They can't fail. We'll lose all this money." So what do they do? They say, "Well, FDIC has to step in and protect us, and that we're going to make sure that everybody's deposits are safe." And so what do they do? Then FDIC says, "Well, if we do that, we're going to have to increase the interest or the rates that all the banks across the country pay for FDIC." So the little banks that are in good condition are now paying this, that they have less money to, uh, to, to lend out to their customers. And so the real question comes down to before, you know, everybody says we got to have more uh, of the uh, government come in on this, we got to find out why, why, why weren't the regulators doing their jobs making sure that they were seeing that what was happening in these banks and they shouldn't have allowed it to happen. 
Yeah, that's very strange. It sounds like smaller banks are now subsidizing larger banks, which is a very weird concept and putting more pressure, like you said, on the smaller ones, uh, which makes sense why the media says that so many small banks could potentially be shutting down because of these and more opportunity for them to consolidate. On the same front, I don't know if you followed this other piece of legislation or at least a proposal from the Democrats and the Bidens regarding the whole mortgage plan of subsidizing individuals with mortgages with good credit scores to subsidize those that are high risk of potential borrowers trying to expand the housing market, which seems absolutely insane, especially when we talk about all the other financial uncertainties in the banks right now. Why in the world would a bank want to take on a high risk borrower just because of a government program that's going to subsidize some of their mortgage to make someone buy a home when they can't afford buying a home or they're not good with their uh, with their finances and financially responsible. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, on the front page of one of the Washington papers this morning, there was a story again on that whole topic again, which is ludicrous because, again, you work hard, you save, you scrimp, you, you don't spend, you, you don't run your credit card up, so you get a good credit rating, and then you go to the bank to get a loan, and they say, oh, you've done such a great job, we're going to pay, we're going to charge you more now. Uh, and it's like, what? Uh, but, uh, you know, we saw this happen, you know, if you go back to the uh, financial crisis back in 2008, I'll never forget reading a, a story. They were up in Canada, and they were asking Canadians and bankers up there, they said, how come you're not having the crisis that we're having in the United States? I still remember the headline. Our government doesn't make us make loans that people aren't going to pay them back. Yeah, yeah. It is insane. Think, you know, it's, uh, it's just a really quick uh, way to look at it. But when we look at the, you know, what everything is a socialist system, you know, it's like uh, you're, you're taking from one to give to another, but it's not fair because it's just like, what, what, why does hard work pay off? And that's what this whole country is about. That's hard work is supposed to pay off. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back in 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride. Thanks again to Congressman Bob Latta on the program, the 5th District of Ohio. Again, that is only a sliver of the interview that we were able to sit down and chat with him about. And only a sliver of the topics as well. We talk about Russia, Ukraine. We talk about... The budget deal, obviously. He's also on the committees for energy and technology. We talk about energy. We talk about the electric grid. We talk about oil production, price of gas going into Memorial Weekend. So there's a heck of a lot more there. If you want to listen to it, always a pleasure to have you to do so. You can find it on our podcast, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier, on any of your favorite podcasting sites. Uh, You can find it, download it, subscribe, and check out all the shows after we have them posted. That interview will post shortly after this program today. All right, real quickly, I don't want to waste any time here because I really want to get this out before we shift gears again and get into some of the more fun What's conversations. Trending today? But I want you to think about the wins that we're having. Remember, we get tired of winning so much because we're winning so much. Remember that comment? Yeah, the U.S. Supreme Court has landed a win for us, and while they can't quite agree on all of it, at least they came to a consensus that the Biden administration 
and really even the Obama administration prior to that who started this whole shenanigans uh, have crossed the line a little bit with the Environmental Protection Agency, which I know it's horrible for them to go after the EPA because that's their baby. That's their golden child, man. The EPA, they are saving the earth. They are saving you and I. They are saving humanity from its self-destruction that we've been going down, right? Just ask Greta Thunberg or whatever the hell her name is. So we have the EPA that's tried to re-implement the waters of the United States rule. And with the EPA's WOTUS rule that was created by the Obama administration, it was repealed by the Trump administration, re-implemented for the Biden administration, and now we have court battles again saying that the federal government, and more especially the Environmental Protection Agency, has full authority over your land if you own portions of land in your backyard that may be a crick. My wife gets mad at me because she's like, it's a creek. It's a crick. C-R-I-K. That's how we said it back in Ohio. It was a crick. Uh, but if you have a crick or a stream in your backyard that goes to a uh, river that goes to a lake, then if it rains really heavy and it becomes really full, then that is quote unquote navigable waters. And therefore, the EPA and the federal government has the authority to come down and take ownership of that land and that body of water because it is a navigable piece of land and piece of water. The U.S. Supreme Court has come out with a unanimous decision today saying, uh uh-uh, uh, with a challenge on this based on a ranch or based on a piece of land that was saying, wait a second, you don't have the right to decide to uh, make decisions on my land. And even the progressives and a nine to nothing unanimous decision came out that was delivered by Justice Samuel Alito uh, saying that they did not have the right to take over that piece of land in the case centered on Michael and Chantel Sackett, uh, two Idaho residents who the EPA prohibited from building a home near a wetlands just years ago during the Clean Water Act of 1972. Now, with that unanimous decision, which is good, I mean, praise yourself, pat yourself on the back, applaud, we actually had a good decision from the Supreme Court. It goes into now they still have a split decision on 5-4 to four determining how the federal government should go about defining the water sources. So while they agree in a consensus that they should have been able to build their home and they should be able to build near these wetlands, near this creek or this stream or however you want to phrase it. We still don't quite know exactly how to define exactly what bodies of water look like and how they turn into quote-unquote navigable waters in the U.S. that lead to lakes or lead to rivers or lead out to the ocean or however we try to define these. Where's that line drawn between the body and the size of that body of water to decide whether the government gets to control it? Or we as the private citizen get to control it. But we'll take a victory as we can. And any hit against the Environmental Protection Agency makes me very happy. Because eventually, that administration just needs to go away. Lots more coming up. Stay here for a Thursday. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright of this. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a pre-Friday celebration. You are so close, man. You can almost taste Memorial Weekend right around the corner. Until then, let's carpe diem all over this place, baby. We have so much to talk about and so little time to do it. 
trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time on multiple stations all over the place, plus TV, live streaming, podcasting. Uh, the WOTUS decision from the Supreme Court, a major victory for us. Every time we can chip away at that and EPA, that massively ridiculous, unaccounted for administration and department and agency, whatever the hell you want to call them, that just, oh, well, this is bad for the environment. So therefore, we get to set policy for it without any type of congressional approval, which is the signature of an activist president that just wants to try and lock down your freedoms. I'm okay with chipping away at that in any way, shape, form we can. So uh, big news coming out of the U.S. Supreme Court today. Let's shift gears a little bit, though, with the big stories of the day. What's trending today? As you know, as of yesterday, the official announcement from Ron DeSantis and an interesting fashion as well. And I I know a lot of people are giving him crap for how he did it. Oh, he should have done it with video. Oh, there was a lot of technical issues with Elon Musk. Oh, honestly, I don't really care about all that. He's thinking outside the box and it was hugely successful with the amount of people that were enjoying it. He's doing it on a platform with with a guy who's very popular in the free speech movement and for a guy who's going down the road of fighting the quote-unquote woke mentality i thought it was a great way to do it it was very different it was very uh it was kind of a new style for for a president to announce their run and we'll see how it works out now that being said i will say that from what i've heard so far is that the campaign is already getting off to a rocky start being a little abrasive against donald trump supporters and going out a little viciously we'll play some of the audio from DeSantis a little bit with some of the interviews that he's done over the last day making that announcement. But here's the big question. What's the state of the Republican Party look like now that we have the two main contenders, I guess, uh, for the Republican primary in with Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis? To talk about some of that and a heck of a lot more, excited to have on the program. He's an author, also president of the National We the People Convention organization, Mr. Tom Zawistowski. Tom, how are you, my friend? I'm really well. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's an interesting landscape for the Republicans right now. We have the diehard Trump supporters, which many of them, which I got to give credit to Donald Trump for, many of them are the ones that have never been involved in the political system before, didn't go out to vote, uh, that Donald Trump brings out, which is good for the Republican Party. But we also have Ron DeSantis, a very popular governor that won overwhelmingly with 80 percent of the vote in Florida for his last race for governor and uh, is, I guess you want to say, second in the polls behind Donald Trump in the presidential run for the Republican support. We already have an interesting lineup, I think. Well, you know, and that's true, because let's let's be honest, we we anyone who's a conservative should love Donald Trump and should love Ron DeSantis. I mean, you know, we all know what Donald Trump did as president. He actually did what he said he was going to do, and he he gave us the best America in my lifetime. I'm 67 years old. 2019 was the pinnacle. We had lowest inflation, you know, best job environment, no wars. I mean, it's awesome. But the only living person in this country who maybe has done more conservative things then Donald Trump is Ron DeSantis. If you look at what he's done in Florida, it is literally a checklist of you know conservative things. You know, he just banned central bank digital currency for God's sake last week. I mean, what more do you want? So we love them both, but his announcement you know, to join the the fray and to challenge President Trump in the primary. We don't think at the We People Convention that that was what we needed to do, and we've actually advocated this week. So I tried to convince 
Governor DeSantis and President Trump to get together and run as a unity ticket because we did a poll, Andy, uh, through Rasmussen that said the best possible ticket the Republicans could put up in 2024 is Trump as president and DeSantis as vice president. That national Rasmussen poll showed it would win 51% to 43% over a Biden-Harris ticket. And there's no other poll that shows Trump against uh, Biden, DeSantis against Biden, Biden, anybody against Biden that gets anywhere near 50%, 51%. And so we wanted a unity ticket, and we still do. We're still going to advocate for that. But I think there's reasons for that that are more than what your listeners might think. Well, yeah, let's talk about the possibilities of it, because right now they do not like each other. They worked decently together when Donald Trump was president, and then things went sour with the rumors that he could potentially jump, throw his hat in the ring for the presidency. And Donald Trump was very critical of how he announced they've been spatting at each other left and right. In fact, earlier today, Ron DeSantis was on Glenn Beck's radio program and said this. I think he did great for three years, but when he turned the country over to Fauci in March of 2020, that destroyed millions of people's lives. And in Florida, we were one of the few that stood up, cut against the grain, took incoming fire from media, bureaucracy, the left, even a lot of Republicans, had schools open, preserved businesses. And so Florida, since COVID, has outperformed virtually any state in the country when you look at all these significant metrics. I mean, we're booming. Uh, so that was uh, on Glenn Beck, just already blaming Trump, the, the uh, mudslinging beginning of, hey, he turned the country over to Fauci during COVID. That guy's a, that guy didn't know what the heck he's doing. So we actually opened things up, and we were the best ones to counter some of this. See, and Andy, this is the problem because you know. Then I, quite frankly, that's probably a valid criticism of President Trump. I'm not going to dispute that. But see, what the what the donors behind DeSantis, uh, who are basically the rhinos, the Murdochs, the, the you know the the Bushes, you know the Karl Roves, and the media. They want this murder-suicide. They want us to spend the next 12 months tearing each other to shreds. Our problem is we can't afford to do that. And so in our ad that we took in the Miami Herald, we took a full-page ad, Andy, uh, and this Monday in the Miami Herald, because that's Trump's local paper in Mar-a-Lago, and it's also the biggest paper in Florida, so the DeSantis would see it. And we said a message for President Trump and Governor DeSantis. Your country needs you to not destroy each other for 12 months, but to join together to defeat the Democrats in 2024. Because we're in a different world, Andy, than we have been ever before. Look what the Democrats, and they're really not Democrats, the leftist communists are doing. Yeah. They are, you know, they're not going to even give our Robert F. Kennedy a debate. They're going to have no primaries. They're going to spend their whole time building a a ballot harvesting machine for the general election while we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars attacking each other. That's stupid, and we deserve better. And if Trump and DeSantis would join together, there'd be no need for a primary. Everybody else is done. It's just not even a contest. And that's that's what we wanted them to do is to join together and now build an army to to get ready to take on the left and restore our constitutionally limited government. 
And Andy, this this is what we need to do because that's what the left is doing. They're not even they don't even care about candidates or issues. Yeah. They think they can elect a box of Kleenex, as Fetterman and, and Biden and Hobbs showed you. What are we going to do to combat that? Well, we've got some good ideas about that. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, Democrats have always been uh, in line. I mean, the last presidential debate or presidential election cycle was the only time I think I've seen the Democrats actually uh, disagree on each other and actually go after each other a little bit in the primaries. And you're right, it would be a great ticket with Trump and DeSantis because, I mean, we've said this forever on the radio, Republicans are the absolute worst of getting so emotionally connected to their one candidate that we beat each other up so badly by the time we come out of it, we never have any unity, and half the Republicans want to walk away and say, well, I'm not supporting that candidate, so I'm not showing up to vote, and we end up shooting ourselves in the foot. So the question is, can they put their differences aside? Can they unite? And can we bring that Republican Party together, like you said, to create that army to focus on the general election? Well, I think you know the, the historical evidence is there. In 1980, Ronald Reagan and, and George Bush hated each other. Uh, he, Bush was the establishment guy. Reagan was a conservative. They fought through the primary, and then at the convention, you know, they they joined together as a unity ticket, and they won big. But let me go a couple steps deeper now. Uh, have you had a chance to talk to your audience at all about Heritage Organizations Project 2025.org? A little bit, yeah. Okay. This is something that has never happened before. Heritage has put together this thing called Project2025.org. I want your listeners to write that down and go to that website. And what they're doing is the personnel people who worked for Trump, a guy named Paul Dans is heading it up. They are now working at Heritage. And what they're doing is they're actually recruiting 4,100 people to fill all the jobs in the next conservative administration on day one. They are going to recruit them, vet them, train them, have white papers and executive orders ready so that when we say we're going to make you know, Andy the, the head of the uh, agriculture department, and here's, you know, here's what he's going to do when he gets there. The day that Trump and DeSantis are sworn in, we can now staff – the government and do what the left always does. Remember when Biden took over? What did he sign? A hundred executive orders on day one? Yeah. We never do that. We're starting to do that. And you're, we, we have to recruit these 4,100 people, and they, they aren't going to be political people. We need people who are patriots who are going to go to D.C. and not look to get a, a consulting job when they're done or advance their political careers but actually reform the government by cutting the employees by 40% and defunding all these bogus programs that fund our left to attack us. Well, and at least, so, at least have experience in the uh, department that they're actually running as well. I want someone forbid. who's actually been involved in education to be the head of the education department. Heaven forbid, so, Andy. Yeah, Tom, we got to take a hard break here. Let's, get, let's right. take a break real quick. When we come back, I want to continue that conversation because, <laughs> yeah, what a concept to actually have someone know what they're doing with that department that they're running unlike, you know, Pete Buttigieg or something. Lots more coming up here for a Thursday. Stay here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. 
with Andy Hoosier. Hey, John Wright, it is. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show. Man, it goes by way too fast. We need more time. That's what we do. We, we just need more time. We're hanging out with Tom Zawistowski. He's the president of National We the People Convention Organization. Now the question is, can we see a unity in the Republican Party? Republicans love to beat each other up. What we need to be, and I love primaries, I love the differing ideas, we've said this so many times on the program, we need to be like that Italian family, where we argue behind the scenes, smack each other on the back of the head, you yell, you raise your voice a little bit, we challenge each other on the debate stage, we expand our thought as conservatives, because we're not top-down like the Democrats are. The problem is, though, is that when we go out in public, we need to be like that Italian family, where you don't mess with one or you mess with all of us, because we're on a united front. And that's where we lack in the Republican Party. So can we do that moving forward? This election in 2024, we say this every election, but this election is going to be one of the most important ones for the future of this country. Just like this week is with the debt ceiling issue and with the already the disruption between Trump and DeSantis going after each other, is that going to divide the party and will be so broken that we won't be united by the end? Or can we find a way to come together. Tom, as we look at some of these other candidates that have already tried to jump in, most of them are really non-starters, non-factors in this race. But with Donald Trump being the biggest fascist, Nazi, racist bigot out there, and now Ron DeSantis running a, a state that the, NCAA, the NAACP says is a now terrorist state for black people, would Tim Scott be a viable VP choice for one or the other to just rub that in the face for uh, the media to be like, look, we can't be racist. We have... Tim Scott is our uh, VP candidate here. See, Andy, that's that's the trap that the left uses against the Republicans all the time. You know, we, we got to get over that nonsense. Yeah. It's real simple. We're at war, and we're losing our country, and they're serious as a heart attack, as as you can tell, you know, by the the Oath Keepers, you know, uh, sentence that came down today. Listen, we need to change everything we're doing. Who is leading us? to victory, not just in the primary, not just in the general, but for the future. So let me paint a picture for your listeners that they've never heard before. So why did was We the People Convention at wethepeopleconvention.org? You can see our ad that I talked about, and you can learn about all this. Why are we pushing for a Trump to Santa's ticket? Well, because as we said in the ad to the Miami Herald, we, we addressed both Trump and DeSantis and said, here's why you should use DeSantis as your VP, and DeSantis, here's why you should, you should be the VP. And what the first thing was, Ron DeSantis, if you want to be president, the fastest way for you to become president is to be Donald Trump's vice president. Because you're losing by 30 points in the primary. In Iowa, he's down like by 62 to 20-something. He's not going to win the primary. So how are you going to become president? Well, here's another problem, Ron. And for his staff of consultants who care nothing but the the money they're going to make by DeSantis running a losing campaign, here's another problem. If if Trump wins the primary and you're not his VP, guess what? His VP is going to be the person most likely to win in 2028 and 2032. So, Ron, you're going to be waiting a long time, baby. Now, here's the deal. Here's what we want. We want Trump as president, DeSantis as vice president. We want for the next 18 months, instead of beating each other up, we want DeSantis in every state recruiting Senate and House candidates for 2024 who are MAGA 
and we'll pass the legislation that we need to pass to fix this country. So it's not just executive orders next time, it's legislation. So that's what DeSantis' job would be. Number two, I talked about Project2025.org. We're working to recruit 4,100 patriots who actually know what the hell they're doing to go to D.C. and fix this. End the commie takeover. Throw them out. Get rid of the FBI. Get rid of the Department of Education. You know, make it constitutionally limited government with public servants, not with you know the ruling class rolling over us. So how does that happen? Well, we recruit these people, and Trump is. You know, remember, these are Trump's personnel directors who are running this. So Trump is going to approve of the people that Heritage puts together. So now. We, it's it's January of 2025. Trump gets uh, sworn in, and we've got 4,100 people to go to war. We've got a game plan. We've got a president and vice president to execute the plan. That's what I want. That's what we need. That's not what we're getting when we're yelling at each other in a primary. It sounds like we have a prime opportunity that we haven't had in a very long time with actually Republicans thinking long-term and thinking down the road to prepare ourselves as opposed to scrambling as we go, which has kind of been the mindset for Republicans in a long time. It's just whether we can actually execute it and make it happen. Tom, I love chatting with you, brother. we got to get you back on here more frequent. Let's do this again real soon. I'd love to come back on. Thanks to God. Really appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. We'll do it again. That's Tom Zawistowski, National We the People Convention. Go and check those guys out. Great information. We'll do it again tomorrow for Friday. Get you set for the Memorial Weekend. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.